Biden gets a big win on infrastructure. Pills to treat COVID are coming, and it could spell the end of the pandemic as we know it. And the U.S. reopens to the world today. Monday Need to Know. Let's go. Good morning. This is Cheddar's Need to Know podcast for Monday, November 8th. I am Jill Wagner with Carlo Versano. Hey, Carlo. Jay Wags in the house. How are you, my friend? I missed you. Uh, I missed you, too. Um, I was listening to the podcast, though, You and Baker held down the fort, as always. <laughs> we did our best, but uh, it's great to have you back in the chair. I see the rollers are in. You look great. Mm-hmm. You sound great. Um, one uh, little piece of housekeeping that I meant to mention on Friday, Jill, by the way, is we've got some new art for the podcast, like there's a new kind of like logo. So I, it actually caught me by surprise when I was trying to listen on Spotify. Um, so just if you've noticed that, it's not just you, uh, it's rolling out as part of like a larger rebranding here at Cheddar. Uh, so it's like a, the, the purple people are gone. And now it's kind of like a, uh, it's like a teal background. There's pictures of us on there kind of, but you have to squint to see them. So anyway, just in case you were, you were wondering where the, uh, the our, our purple mascots went. I, I'm glad you mentioned it because I went to listen as well um, at the end of last week and I was like, where's the podcast? What happened? And then I'm like, wait a <laughs> yeah. minute. They rolled out the new art already. The new look, um, yeah. So, yeah, it just looked for a lot of green, basically. Yes, a lot of green. OK, let's get to some news here. Uh, the big news out of Washington actually came late Friday when President Biden won a major legislative victory that has eluded past presidents in both parties the passage of a $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill. 13 Republicans joined the majority of Democrats in the House to pass that bill after it was approved by the Senate. The White House plans a big signing ceremony when Congress is back from recess, and Biden's expected to hit the road to heavily promote what is in the bill. The legislation includes billions for roads and bridges, broadband access, replacing lead pipes, sustainability and more projects in all 50 states. Biden says Americans should start to feel the impacts of the bill in as little as two to three months. Yeah, he's got to get out on the road and promote this thing. Uh, and I think he should learn, for, they probably will learn from the mistakes that President Obama made back with, with his first stimulus bill in the uh, early years of his uh, first term, when he kind of like, uh, you know, he thought that the work was done after the policy was enacted. But I think as most politicians know, and Biden probably knows well, that's really only when the work starts, right? Like, you got to get out and explain to people what is in this bill. You got to show people that you can deliver. Uh, You know, he should be out there talking about how, you know, Republicans are still rehashing last year's election. Democrats are out there with shovel-ready projects that are going to make your life better in concrete ways. At least that would be the sort of um, political calculus that I would make if I were in his chair. Uh, The other outstanding question, of course, though, is the social spending bill, the Build Back Better bill, that would remains tied up in the Senate and is essentially in the hands of Joe Manchin uh, and Kirsten Cinema. Progressives were hoping to get these two things voted on at the same time, remember, uh, but that was probably never going to happen. And um, the problem is that they sort of gave up their leverage uh, by um, allowing the infrastructure bill to pass. I'm not saying I, they should have, I, I, I think. I mean, I, I think it was most important for Biden to get this thing done, but they don't have any leverage now. So I think that what that means is you're going to probably see more parts of the Build Back Better bill get stripped down uh, as it gets closer to a vote in the Senate. 
Um, so notably, as you mentioned, some progressives still voted no on this bipartisan yeah. plan. Um, that includes uh, Jamal Bowman of New York, Cory Bush, uh, AOC, Ilhan Omar, Ayanna Presley, Rashida Tlaib. Um, the squad. There's basically. a lot of good stuff in the bill, though, and, and in this package. Yeah. And so you do have to wonder in, in what the calculation is because it was going to pass anyway. So mm -hmm. don't you want to be able to run on saying, hey, I passed, I voted for $10 billion to improve the New York City subway? Right, yeah. You know, there's a lot of stuff that's in here. I think I agree with you. I, I, I think Biden and his team should stay on top of this and and basically follow the money as it's being spent and say, hey, right. look, this this project in this airport in Denver that's getting billions of dollars, that's thanks to the Build Back Better plan. So I, I think we should see exactly where that money is going. This new yeah. electric car charging station, Build Back Better plan. Um, yeah, exactly. They should have his face on those things. Um, it is incredible, though, that the best piece of news of the Biden presidency it happened yep. at 1130 on a Friday night. OK, that is known in the news business as the Friday <laughs> news dump. That is when you basically put your bad news out and hope yeah, that right. no one's paying attention. Um, <laughs> and and again, this is like the best thing that happened probably to the Biden presidency since since he, he took office. Yeah. Yeah, I guess he couldn't really control the timing of this vote. I think they were probably trying to get it done during the day on Friday, but Pelosi couldn't uh, whip her votes until late at night. But yeah, I think that's why, again, you're going to see him get out on the road. You're going to see a big signing ceremony, and we'll see. We'll see if it breaks through. I think that once people start seeing the actual impacts of these things, you know, when they're going over a crumbling bridge on their way to work and there's a big sign in front of it that's like, this bridge is being repaired uh, because of this infrastructure bill, I think that could, that could certainly help his his poll numbers, which are uh, a disaster at the moment. Uh, Pfizer is expected to submit its antiviral COVID pill to the FDA for approval in the coming days after that company released data Friday showing that it was remarkably effective. The pill cut the risk of hospitalizations for high-risk patients by 90% in trials when taken in combination with an old HIV drug. So that would be even better than Merck's antiviral pill, which is currently in front of regulators. Former FDA chief Scott Gottlieb said that the COVID pills, if approved, could mean that the end of the pandemic is in sight in the United States. Yeah, he was all over this uh, this weekend. He said on Face the Nation that January, February, this thing could essentially be over. And by this thing, I mean the pandemic. Um, and I think that these antiviral pills, you know, I, was do I did a report on these for uh, a show on Chatter on Friday. So I, I was digging a lot into this data. And it this is really something. Uh, you know, these things aren't – they're not like um, – you know it, – it, they're still, you should still get vaccinated, obviously. They're not vaccines. But for people who can't or won't get vaccinated, these things are basically going to keep you from dying if you are at risk of dying. I mean, look at what antivirals did for the AIDS crisis, right? It's, I think it's going to be sort of a similar thing with COVID. It basically keeps the virus from becoming a death sentence for the people who are most at risk of dying. Plus, it's just easy, right? It's easy to get a prescription. It's easy to, to take uh, you know, a, a couple pills every day for a week. Uh, these pills are going to be cheap because they're going to be able to be generic, uh, which is obviously going to go a long way in getting them into the hands of people that really need them in places like Sub-Saharan Africa, where there's basically been no vaccination uh, penetration so far. Yeah, and, and look, when you talk about the other treatments that are out there, obviously we have the Merck pill, but the, the monoclonal antibody treatments, you have to go into a hospital for that. It's, it's, it's yeah, not right. easy. You have to 
have access. You have to have the doctor. Uh, obviously, you would need a prescription with these pills, but um, you know, you need a doctor to basically get you into the hospital. Um, the trial for this, by the way, so effective and and so clear right away that they they actually cut the trial short. Pfizer did yeah. because they were just like this is this pill these pills are going to save people's lives. Um, yeah, so exactly. ethically, they just need to get them out there. Okay, Pfizer another just sign of crushing things- it. By the way, like yes. incredible, right? This this coming basically, I think almost in a year to the day since their uh, their vaccine trials came out. I think that was like this time last year when we all just breathed that heavy sigh of relief when we were like, oh my god, they actually did it. We actually have a vaccine for this thing. We forget <laughs> about that. We forget how incredible that was, right? Because it became this like political football. But we were just sitting here we didn't know what that this time last year we were like is this just gonna go on forever until we all get covid and have natural immunity and they came out with a 95 percent effective vaccine it was amazing another sign of things getting back to normal the u.s reopens for fully vaccinated international travelers today ending a 20-month travel ban that has kept foreign tourists largely out of the country the major airlines are seeing huge increases in bookings and expect completely full international flights for at least the next few weeks as they scale up their schedules to 2019 levels. Land crossings at the Mexican and Canadian borders also expected to see long lines of cars waiting to get in for the foreseeable future. Oh, it's about time that this day has come. I've actually been tracking Delta Flight 106 uh, from Sao Paulo to Atlanta Hartsfield, uh, which is due to land uh, in a couple hours, that's the first international flight uh, under these new rules coming into the country. Delta like you're says physically four- tracking it <laughs> as yeah, it's in the air. <laughs> yeah, I'm on flight aware. I know it's weird. I do weird <laughs> stuff like that sometimes. But anyway, uh, Delta says 450 percent increase in international bookings over the last couple weeks. Uh, and then you have United, which was hit hardest by this travel ban because most of its schedule is uh, international. They say they're expecting 30,000 inbound passengers just today. Uh, this, of course, also just a big deal for the economies of cities like New York, which are seriously dependent on tourism. I and mean, one of the strangest things about being in New York City lately has just been the notable lack in foreign tourists, which of course is nice when you're kind of just like taking the subway or walking around and you don't have to navigate them on the sidewalks. But, you know, that's really bad for the economy to not have people from Europe and Asia coming in spending their money, which is now going to hopefully happen in time for the holidays. The latest now on this tragic story out of Houston over the weekend. Two investigations have been launched into Friday night's Astroworld Music Festival, where eight young people were killed when fans were crushed against the stage. The rapper Travis Scott had just started his headlining set when the crowd crush began. He is facing questions over why he continued to perform uh, as first responders were in the midst of dealing with this mass casualty event. He actually finished his whole set. Um, His girlfriend, Kylie Jenner, and Scott saying that they were unaware of what was happening until later. The Houston police are also investigating reports that someone in the crowd was injecting people with drugs after several concert goers had to be revived with the anti-overdose drug Narcan. Uh, that was weird. I'm I'm waiting to hear more about that. That's I'd never heard of something like that before, and it's unclear if that has to do with why people were uh, sort of rushing the stage. This is now the worst mass casualty event at a concert in the United States since the Station nightclub fire in Rhode Island, which was I think t- almost 20 years ago now. Uh, would really one of the worst stories. Um, just ever had to cover. But crowd crush at music festivals, you know, this is something that I think a lot of people have probably experienced at least sort of the, you know, 
not a terrible version of it, if that makes sense. I mean, I, I have personally, I was once in a uh, crowd at a music festival and I started to sort of feel that when like the crowd kind of starts to move in its own, you know what I'm talking about? When like the crowd kind of has, ha, gets its own like life almost. I was picked up off the ground by like the force of the movement. Um, it's just one of the most helpless feelings I've ever felt. I don't know if anyone else has ever been in a situation like that. So I can just imagine how terrifying this must have been for these people. Uh, but yeah, there are a lot of videos on social media showing people in the audience trying to get help. Um, you know, some people were sort of climbing a crowd, a uh, camera uh, pedestal, trying to get the camera operator to shut the thing down. And he was telling them like, no, no, go back. Um, so it just sounds like there was a lot of confusion, which perhaps accounts for why this show wasn't immediately stopped. So the victims are all, we mentioned young people, they're all younger yeah. than 30, two of them are yeah. teenagers. Um, it, it's really Terrible. just tragic. They were, think about it. You're going out just to see a concert. Um, and yeah. there is, this festival is known to get a little bit rowdy. I was listening to an interview with a, a woman who was there and she said she's been there before. She said, it seemed like the vibe was already almost like more rowdy and aggressive yeah. even before the concert actually, even before Travis Scott, um, took the stage. So she fell. She was, she was caught up in the crowd. She said it was like, basically like dominoes where just one yeah. person fell. You could, it, what you described happened where the crowd started to get a life of its own and just kind of, you, you basically just had to move with the, whatever the, wherever the crowd yeah. was going, you had to go. People started to panic. People started to drop. She said there were just piles of people, one on top of the other. She actually said that um, she was underneath a couple of people and had to bite somebody had to physically Ugh. like bite their leg in order for them to move. And she's like, I can't even believe I did this, but I just, it was life or death. I had to yeah. get up. And she said, luckily a couple of people were able to help her get up. And that's why she even survived. Um, but yeah. just absolutely frightening. And, and hopefully something good can come out of this where there will be some sort of changes so that, I mean, I know that these festivals are fun and people like going, but um, I don't know. I mean, that just is not safe. Well, it sounds least. like this was, yeah, it sounds like this was a failure of the venue. I mean, there are, when you go to these music festivals, a lot of the times they keep you sort of in like pens, which I think is to, um, you know, to prevent this kind of thing from happening. So it's not just this like one giant unwieldy crowd. Uh, and it doesn't seem like that was the case here, but there are, there, you know, there are venues are supposed to be able to prevent this sort of thing from happening. Clearly there was a major failure here. Uh, the Green Bay Packers fell apart yesterday without Aaron Rodgers at the helm, losing to the Kansas City Chiefs 13-7. to Rodgers was out on COVID protocol after he tested positive last week. He explained his decision not to get vaccinated in a radio show interview in which Rodgers said that he'd consulted with Joe Rogan. He claimed to be allergic to the mRNA vaccines, uh, had consulted, were, um, he'd been worried about fertility Sorry. issues, he then misquoted Martin Luther King um, and used the my body, my choice defense. So basically <laughs> the kitchen sink here, throwing yeah. everything against the wall to see what would stick. I, I, I got to say when I saw this, uh, this was also on Friday. There was a lot of news on Friday. Uh, he really hit the cycle. Yeah. When it comes to for the uh, to the anti-vaccine talking points, almost impressive. Um, 
But at the uh, in the Packers game yesterday, the Fox pregame show tore into him. Even Terry Bradshaw out there calling Rodgers a liar. Uh, he could get fined by the NFL. Not that that matters much to somebody like him. But I thought that it was notable that in that radio show interview, Rodgers called this sort of like cancel culture. He, he pointed to the, quote, woke mob trying to cancel him, which I don't know. Have you noticed that like the stock response now for any public figure when they get caught either lying or just being stupid is like, just blame it on cancel culture or like wokeness or something. It's like, dude, just tell the truth, man. People are mad because you misled them. I mean, it has nothing to do with cancel culture. Cancel culture is a real thing, but this is not that. Exactly. And and it, it almost like, as we say, like if, if everything's cancel culture, nothing's cancel culture. Yeah, I mean, right. Cancel culture there is problematic. So I, I think that we do need to tackle that, but 100%. Sure. And, and he's going to be just fine, by the way. Um, yeah. No one's really canceling him. He's just going through a little bit of bad press. I'm sure he's going to be back out there. Um, as you said, so he basically said when asked if he was vaccinated, he said he was inoculated right is this, is that what, oh no excuse yeah. me he said he was immunized he said he was immunized yeah. but so he was trying to like kind of get around it with word games but yeah, that's the whole thing it's like you just lied if, if you didn't want to get the vaccine um you know he, he could have just followed the protocol for the people who didn't want to get the vaccine for his team it's not like in new york where he wouldn't have been able to play yeah, no, exactly. I think, and again, that's why people are mad. Like, you have a responsibility as a public figure to tell the truth and not mislead people. It's like really that simple. How much of this also is, uh, I mean, his girlfriend is Shailene Woodley, right? Isn't she also sort of like a, um, actually, I don't want to say that because I don't know for a fact. I was going to say, you know, she was, she's sort of like a homeopathic kind of uh, person. I think maybe she had something to, to do with this. I'm not sure. Okay, the New York City Marathon returned to the city this weekend after a pandemic hiatus. Shailene Flanagan saved the best for last in her grueling quest to run all of the world's major marathons in six weeks. The retired American long-distance runner completed the New York City Marathon in, marathon in two hours, 33 minutes, and 32 seconds, her best time of any race. So she's now succeeded her in her goal of running all of the major marathons in under three hours. Incredible. Man, absolutely incredible. Meanwhile, the Olympic bronze medalist Molly Seidel broke the record for fastest time in New York by any American woman, and she did it with a couple of broken ribs, which she just mentioned in an interview, sort of like threw that out there. Like, oh, yeah, I did this. Uh, I ran this incredible time, and uh, also my ribs were broken, which was <laughs> like, how did you even do that? Uh, but, yeah, I don't know if you – I guess you didn't get to see because you're in Long Island, but uh, I was out there yesterday – uh, they ran right past my apartment. Uh, and it was really great. You know, it was really great to see see all the runners out there cheering them on. It really started – you really get in the sense, I think, that things are finally starting to get back to normal. And I know that we've said that before, um, but I really think that we're at the beginning of the, of the real end here. I've run the marathon three times, My one of my – the you things ran, I'm most proud of in my times? life. Yes, I ran the New York City Marathon I knew you did three a times. I knew you did what? it once. I didn't know you three times. I knew you did it once. I didn't know you've done it multiple times. Jeez. Yeah. Um, I somehow went back for more. It's because it's the best day ever. Um, it's the training. Yeah. The training is really what's grueling. But the action and the marathon, yes, it's it's the last five, six miles are torturous. But the yeah. day itself, it's just incredible. You basically the starting line at the Verrazano Bridge, they're blasting Frank Sinatra's New York, New York. Yeah, I mean, you get the chills. Awesome. You run over the bridge. You run through all five boroughs. Everyone's out cheering. 
it is just, there's nothing like it. Um, and if so, and, and anyone can do it. You don't have to, so a lot of people say, nah, I'm not a runner. I wasn't built for running. Anyone can do it. But there's no way I, I could run I, a marathon. No, no chance. You got to start slow. You know, you start with a mile and you eventually build up. Anyway, I'm not here to, uh, excuse my mic. I just uh, got so passionate about this that I <laughs> almost hit it over. I'm not trying to convince anyone to run a marathon. I'm just kudos no, no, to no. them. And it is, and, yeah. and for New York City, it's such an exciting day for the city. Um, and just, you know, all these runners, uh, congratulations. Yeah, amazing. Okay, now for a little more to know before you go, a federal appeals court has temporarily blocked the White House's vaccine mandate for large employers signaling an uphill battle for the administration in its attempts to get most private companies to institute a vax or test policy by January 4th. Yeah, that uh, that stay doesn't actually affect the law going into or the mandate going into effect. It's just something um, to keep an eye on. Uh, the prime minister of Iraq this weekend surviving a brazen assassination attempt when a drone packed with explosive tar uh, targeted his house in Baghdad while he was asleep at home. Prime minister was not injured, though several of his uh, security staffers were. No one disclaimed responsibility for the attempted assassination. But we talked about this recently. I forget in what context, but I, I was sort of predicting that like this is one something that we're going to start to see more of is, you know, assassination by drones. Drones are the scariest thing in that I think exists right now. There's so much, they can do so much and we are so ill prepared uh, to deal with it. It's like, I don't, I don't really know what the answer is. Yeah, no, listen, when you think about Iraq, you immediately think about um, IEDs, the improvised explosive devices yeah. or suicide attacks. Uh, this is the next phase exactly. of this is this the is future the next of thing. warfare um and yeah. not only warfare i mean not only in this type of thing that you would think about but there's concerns about enemies using drones to take out a power grid for example right. um and and there's not that much that the military at least at this point can do to stop it that's the scary part yep Shares of Tesla down 5% this morning after Elon Musk conducted a Twitter poll asking people whether he should sell a big chunk of his stake in the company. Musk promised to abide by the outcome of the poll in which a majority of respondents voted for him to sell. 3.5 million sword, people. Die by the sword? I mean, he has yeah. to do it, right? <laughs> I guess, yeah. He says he will. Um, I think I'm, that probably has something to do with, uh, you know, a tax bill coming, I would suspect. Uh, also, uh, this I just wanted to get on record with this. Multiple Ivy League campuses evacuated over the weekend after a series of what appears to be coordinated bomb threats. Uh, Cornell, Columbia, and Brown Universities all say that they received the threats around the same time, ordered evacuations at several campus buildings. Uh, people were let back on. The threats deemed to be a hoax, but uh, clearly something up here. The Marvel Cinematic Universe can still bring people out. Eternals beat the global box office openings of both Black Widow and Shang-Chi, bringing in 162 million bucks worldwide in its opening weekend. That is the second best opening of the pandemic for a Hollywood blockbuster. Fans came out in droves for the latest installment in the MCU, despite the obscure characters, bad reviews and mediocre audience scores. And uh, if you didn't catch SNL this weekend, uh, you missed what is actually a pretty good show, I would say. Maybe the best of the season so far. New cast member James Austin Johnson debuted his Donald Trump impression, uh, which is the impression that I think got him hired on the show. And it's incredible if you haven't seen it. Um, Cecily Strong also getting accolades for a candid uh, weekend up update segment that she did about abortion rights. And uh, Dionne Warwick stopped by to sing a duet with Ego Nwodum, who plays the diva on the show. All in all, pretty good. Okay. Carlo, we got to wrap. That is what you need to know for Monday, November 8th. See you guys tomorrow.